0: pronation is so misunderstood it's so misunderstood so one of the things that, that that happens is as you move once again I want constant movement that big toe is not meant to be pushed off of it's not it, you can stand on it all day long but the push off of it is a really poor level to push off of but guess what you can roll over it all day so so if you're if you're actually what we call active pronation. If, if you're actually pronating then guess what the other side can stay in action longer because i'm not at the edge yet if you go to heel toe or if you if you go what do we call it, to a neutral your foot's going to put the brakes on for you because you're at the edge so the biggest thing with the foot and athletic movement is understand how to stay away from the edge that's the biggest thing the foot is not weak it's the fact that you're at the edge and now you're reinforcing, being when you stretch, strengthening your toes and all that, you're going to reinforce being at the edge and gripping the ground and holding. And remember, claws are meant for gripping. And the stronger they are, the more I can grip the ground. I'm not saying things wrong with that because it has this time and place. You know, there is a time and place where I want to grip the ground and hold strong. But if I'm trying to run, that's not the time. I'm not trying to grip ground. I'm not trying to grab ground. I'm trying to roll right over and keep on going.
1: That was coach Adarian Barr speaking on the importance of active pronation, as well as not overgripping the toes and letting the force properly roll through the foot in the act of sprinting. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the Freelap Timing System, Gym Aware, Kbox, 1080 Sprint, and the Speedmat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The Freelap Timing System has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The KBOX and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith, and today on the show, we have back Coach Adarian Barr. He is here on his second appearance uh since his last uh i think I believe it was in the 60s he was on before i've had a number of people ask me when he's going to return coach bar is a guy who thinks differently he's an innovator an inventor and he's brought many athletes to personal best that they didn't think they were personally capable of achieving um, this guy he has been a mentor to me over the last year and a half and i've learned things i i really never thought i'd ever look at with the human body and it makes an amazing difference You have not only athletes who have uh, reaped the benefits of Coach Barr's work, but also a lot of coaches now who are uh, getting into some of his ideas and principles and how the foundations of athletic movement and doing things in their late 30s or 40s that just surprise them. Uh, When you figure out how the body works and you train in kind, great things happen. And One of the things I think that really resonate between me and Adarian is just really getting as far away from we can as the the just-get-stronger coverall, the just-produce-more-force coverall to try to achieve better marks. Because if that was the solution, we'd be breaking the world record in all these track events many times over, but that certainly isn't happening. And um, so really digging deep into the biomechanics is just such an important thing, and no one has gone deeper that I've ever met or talked to or, or read about uh, Than Coach Barr. So, uh, if you aren't familiar with Coach's background, he uh, went into it in the first episode, but uh, Darian, he has experience on a variety of levels coaching and has had a number of stops on the collegiate track and field circuit. He now works as a private coach and consultant. He has a website, barrunning.com, and frequently posts educational videos on various topics of athletic performance. Uh, Coach Barr, one of the things that stands out to me, as I had mentioned, is just has the ability to pick apart virtually any athletic feat—not um, even not just sprinting or jumping, but tennis, baseball, swimming, uh, javelin throwing—and uh, put that in the core components, and then give athletes and coaches the the keys to really train those components to achieve PRs. And I've I've had such tremendous experience myself. I've uh, jumped farther and sprinted faster than I thought I ever would in my mid-30s. I've, I've sprinted faster than I was in my mid-20s just by learning some of the ways that the human body works in terms of timing and athletic posture and how some of the cues that were very common were actually sending me backwards. And it wasn't until I started doing some things that Adarian had worked with me on that I was actually able to progress. And so I'm excited to have him back. On today's podcast, Adarian is going to talk very heavily about something that I think people talk about Um, sometimes people talk about as a good thing sometimes people think it's a bad thing but that's asymmetry in athletic performance so like people like and an example would be like Usain Bolt has an asymmetrical stride Uh, we also just witnessed the longest uh, long jump the world has ever seen in like 20 years by a 19 year old Cuban who has an asymmetrical run and a very long last stride as opposed to what many people would coach in a very short last stride and Coach Barr has really is going to go into the details of why the asymmetry, um, what are the rhythms behind that asymmetry, what is a short last step versus a long last step doing, how does asymmetry manifest itself in sprinting and timing, uh, going into jumping, and it's just something that really permeates uh, every athletic movement in some regard. We are not like these linear... Sagittal plane. Every step the same as the next. Beans. We we're machines that are much more complex, and that. So Adairn's going to go into that on a number of levels. He's going to talk about the big little rhythm and acceleration. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about even how it goes into asymmetry, goes into distance running and field and court-based sports, uh, and then finally he's going to talk about training the foot. And you heard a little bit of a teaser there at the beginning. So again, if you are a uh, if you are a coach that wants to dig deeper into athletic movement, and you really wanna get that edge that comes from an intimate knowledge of human performance that can bring your athletes to new levels, you're gonna love this episode. Uh, Before we get to the show as well, just wanted to let you guys know Coach Bar is going to be on a clinic series. uh, The first two stops of which are in Santa Clara, California, and then Columbus, Ohio. Uh, The Santa Clara stop is going to be July 28th and 29th. So we're hosting that down at Zenith Strength and Performance. And you guys are in for a treat if you're able to make it out to that. So check out JustFlySports.com slash Rewire or head on the main page. Click on the foot with the circuits on on the sideboard to read and learn more about that. And so I'd love to see you there. I I think it's going to be an awesome clinic. And if you're like some of the other coaches who have learned from Coach Bar, you're going to get a lot out of it. So with that said, let's get on to the show. Hey, Darian, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here today.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, man. really appreciate it.
1: Hey, so uh, a lot of cool things just kicking it off. Uh, cool stuff happened in the world of track and field recently. Any, uh, any thoughts on de- recent developments, uh, big sprints and jumps and, and things you're seeing?
0: Jumps is crazy right now, but, you know, like I said, the Cuban guy, and let's remember, too, this is not the first time Cubans had a great long jumper. They, they have them and stuff like that with Pedrosa and everything. But the whole thing about it is um looking at this kid jumping, and like I said, the biggest thing to me is timing is on point. I mean, things are where they're supposed to be at the right time. So when we talk about this whole speed loss, he has very little. I mean, he has very little speed loss take takeoff because things are where they're supposed to be. I was looking at some video of him when he was 16, and, and you always want to know, okay, what happened between 16 and 19, you know? And his approach has changed. His flap is much better. Uh, and I imagine his flap got better. His timing got better. And, and, and so, you know, and even we talk about asymmetry, I would say he's much more asymmetrical now than when he was 16.
1: Yeah, uh, this is a, uh, uh, yeah. the 28-11 uh, long jumper, Ekevar, uh, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I would think that a lot of people go, well, the first thing people ask is, was it coached? I don't know because I don't coach him. I'm just telling you what I see. But I know the things that he does can be coached so when we talk about things like outliers, to me, it's not an outlier anymore when you see the sprinters do it, the jumpers do it, basketball players do it. And if you see all these athletes doing the flap, it's not an outlier anymore. It isn't. But, but, but we don't want to teach it. It makes no sense. It, it, it isn't. When you see so much asymmetry, it's not an outlier anymore. And, and so that becomes the thing when you see it across a broad spectrum of athletes, it's not an outlier.
1: Oh, yeah. thats I mean, that's one of the things I'm super excited to talk to you about today. And just after, you know, I think it's been a year and a half we know each other, and I watch video now of, of running and jumping. And athletes, especially I love dunking because none of those athletes have been coached a day in their life, you know. Right. And they're right. all doing it. And, and the flap, too, before I get any farther, just you mentioned the flap. Do you want to do a quick little definition of that just for anyone listening there? Uh,
0: the flap is basically rotational arm swing instead of linear arm swing. You know, it, it has rotational to it. And and some people say external arm rotation as they interpret it. I say internal elbow rotation. Let the elbow inter- rotate internally. Thing about it is it's so much faster in returning the arm to the front. And if it returns the arm to the front, that means the front side leg has to drop the back. So everything gets faster, but it's still about timing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that, and then seeing like the ri- the wrist kind of will turn in in the back a little bit right. too.
0: If you had a certain pace, like like the video I posted on Instagram with a sophomore pal at top end. You see the you see the left side arm, that left side wrist is just man, that thing is just turning and turning and turning. You know what's happening is the leg is getting back down to the ground sooner, the backside leg is getting to the front sooner. So so it's just a way to be fast. And we know rotation movements are faster than linear moves. We know that. So but 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 like I said, the other part too is 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 the word asymmetry. And and people see that as a negative thing, but asymmetry is in us. Uh, uh, one ear hears better than the other ear. Not hear better, but here's a different sound than the other ear. One eye, you know, looks to the right. One looks to the left. And to better, but it, but it's how these these paired teams work, and, and they don't do the same thing. If they did the same thing, they'd be redundant and a waste. So so asymmetry is about how to get one side to do his job better, the other side to do his job better, and now we have a better paired team and I get a better performance.
1: Oh, right on. I like the the audio example there too. Yeah, like in the headphones, the the one ear that has the different you know, whatever's coming in the one ear is a little different tone or movement than the other ear and it it makes a better effect. And I always like crossing, you know, worlds too, not just this isn't just track and field or athletics, it's it's kind of everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's about survival.
1: I love it, man. Well, hey, we were talking about uh, Juan Miguel, uh, Cuban long jumper jump 2811 with just like a tick of a headwind and number three in the world in or all time. And no one's jumped that far in 20 years. And that's cra- <laughs> crazy. That's <Well>, crazy. <laughs> uh, with the, with. The, and this is what I wanted to get into. You're talking asymmetry. This guy is a really long last step. And people are like, oh, you know, like it's kind of like throwing people for a loop. Right. So tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in that takeoff and, and how that guy's putting that massive jump together.
0: Well, the, the whole thing is that rhythm. The rhythm. So what I call big step, small step, or small step, big step. And, and so it, it's been known that that you know we have a wave. And, and so a vertical, horizontal, vertical, horizontal makes a wave. So in that sense, there, what he's doing is that he he's maintaining rhythm. The weather, the rhythm of the approach, he's maintaining that through takeoff and into his jump. A lot of us interrupt that rhythm. So so in a sense that. If, if I'm going a small step, which would be a vertical movement, and, and then big step, horizontal movement, the next step after that has to be a vertical movement to maintain the rhythm. So another small step. So we have jumpers in a sense. We're coaching jumpers, and we say, I want this jumper to go higher. Well, you have to check out the rhythm first. If, if the rhythm is such that they, they can go higher, then okay. If the rhythm is such that they need to go horizontal and stay flat, then okay. But but that's the beauty of it is it's a great way to easily assess something and figure out like, hey, you know, but yeah, that thing is so long; it's crazy. But but he's not the only one. Yeah. I, I mean, we've seen a lot of jumpers with long lats, you know, short, long, um, and, and everything. But like I said, what's happening is he, he's going horizontal, and then what? Boom! He's vertical. So that's that's that's, that's, the, that's just the rhythm that he's got and everything. But it's an amazing thing that 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 it just depends on what your approach is coming down the runway, big, small, small, big, you know, and everything like that. How to set it up, and he doesn't have to really drop his hips. It's all built in, you know, even and like we talk about, deceleration acceleration acceleration is all built into this the system. It's 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 amazing. But yeah, but the biggest thing timing. His timing is on point.
1: Yeah, let's uh let's actually maybe deconstruct that uh, that takeoff and, and what you mentioned, the big, little, little, big, I know we were jumping together, you're coaching me a little bit, at that, uh, that master's track meet, it feels weird to say master's track meet now. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, I jumped in the open though. Uh, but anyways, uh, so but you were talking yeah little, little, big, big, little, we were watching those athletes come down the runway and you were seeing that And it's crazy. It's the first time I really truly paid attention to that. So maybe just for people uh, out there too, who this is like the first time they're really thinking and understanding. Because a lot of people in jumping, at least, probably always think short last step. I mean, I when I was competing in college, I had no clue. I just jumped and just put it together, and it was what it was. And I think I did pretty well, things considered. I feel like if actually someone was coaching me, I I, partly I wonder if I would have done worse. (laughs) You know, like. But we always hear just just little last step And, and. so what are what is the fundamental difference between the big last step and the little last step
0: well the the fundamental difference is the direction you can go afterwards but also too is is understand that there's a pair in everything we do so so a stride is two steps so so i got two steps in this stride and everything but what happens is this here in order to have that long last step i need that smaller one because that's going to be the speed maintainer So that gives me my speed to make sure I had that long last step and don't lose speed or air velocity throughout the long last step. If you have a short step, that means that you had a long step and you're running out of air speed. So you have to put the foot down to maintain air speed again. So, so either way you can go either way. It's about maintaining air velocity or creating air velocity. The only difference is which direction you're going to go based on big or small. If it's a, if the last step is big, then you to go vertical. If the last step is small. You should go horizontal after that. That's the only thing really. But 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 overall, those last two steps being set up like that, big big or small small, you're losing mm-hmm. speed. Big small small big, you're maintaining the speed.
1: Yeah, that's that was a big game changer when you mentioned that because I was like the small big, uh, because then I was all of a sudden thinking of like uh, Levine in the dunk contest who had a really yeah. long last step and goes yeah. up. Yeah. And then uh, I posted the video of uh, Mike Conley Senior, the triple jumper, in the dunk contest yeah. uh, with the long last step into dunking from the free throw line. Right, right. <laughs> right <laughs> you got to go right, up to right. do that, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: and that's what it becomes. Is and you see Mike Powell is not able to do it. Mike Powell in that same dunk contest, rhythm was terrible, and so he wasn't able to do it cuz the rhythm was, was terrible so a lot of times rhythm's terrible your timing's off it's not going to work the same
1: yeah i noticed that the conley's the dunk too it was his um his last phase the the his jump phase or his third phase that he jumped for that uh, dunk instead of the you know, the first the first one so it's it probably the guy's probably so rhythmic it just came naturally to, to get up like that right, right. Kind of well if you watch about. the
0: whole thing if you watch with the ball and everything i mean he, he he's he's keep the ball he has his ball and he's not running with the ball like this here yeah. he's actually running with the ball to make sure his rhythm stays the same so of course it was and what people forget here is this here this is the biggest thing that backside arm controls the impact of the front side leg that's the amazing part. So, so and, and this wasn't one of the questions, but, but why is that important? Well, a lot of times you hear the word impact, impact, impact. You know, that, that the sprinters are creating impact, impact, impact. So what happens is that's the way to create impact. The speed that arm's coming forward at is going to make the front side leg drop, and now we have this impact at the ground, and then we get off the impact. If you swing it, you slap the ground, and now you don't have the impact anymore that's a lot of you know so why the flap why that why you because you want that thing to come around fast
1: yeah so the flapping and and sam w- uh Wuss wrote uh like a rotational jumping article and that's this all like when like you were saying and people can't uh see it but like basically if you're taking off your uh left leg on that moment like you're bringing the ball to i believe the left side to create cre- just like the flap to create time right. as you go up instead of just right. holding the ball in front of you which is going to do nothing and mess nothing. the that's nothing like, yeah
0: yeah, so it comes back to a time. It comes back to a timing issue. Timing, rhythm, timing, timing, rhythm. So yeah.
1: Awesome, I love it. Uh, so if people are looking at this now, they're like, okay, like big, little. That people are starting to process this, as I've been. Uh, and now I'm looking at how do I do my run up. So whether it be track jumps or maybe implications for for volleyball or basketball or whatnot, but. Uh, what, what's your advice in terms of constructing, constructing an approach then? Some ideas in how do you look at your approach into that jump and, and optimizing that for each athlete?
0: Well, the, the whole thing is is when we say big, small, small, big, realize that there is no set length to any one of those. One step has to be bigger than the other. One step has to be smaller than the other. Regardless which, and it could be an inch bigger. It could be three inches bigger. Mm-hmm. It could be a quarter inch smaller, but you, you need that exchange going on. So even when, when for instance, if I'm jumping, and a lot of times that jumps, they say, you need to push hard out the back. You need to you need to get more speed out the back. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say, hey, I need to make this first step smaller. I need to make, because I want to make it fast. If I want to get more speed, let me make this first one smaller than the big one. Now, now I have speed going to that next one, small, big, small, big, small, big, small, big. So I'm gaining speed now. So, so it, it's one of those things. But the easy way to construct it is to understand that when we say big or small small big that portions is just that one has to be bigger one has to be smaller that's it the exact dimensions that's that's not the thing so people can come the exact well how much bigger or how much smaller that's not the thing it's, it's getting to the rhythm of uh and, and even in hurdling, sometimes in hurdling they call it a cut step you know where where they have this step and they're gonna cut it down really fast that's a small step and then what happens i'm gonna cut down this small step and then i get this big step over the hurdle see what i'm saying it's in everything we do we just don't see it that way so why so so same thing if you're hurdling what do the not so fast hurdlers do they don't have the cut step so now they get this long glide over the hurdle instead of cut step which starts my speed now i got speed to maintain the the air speed through the through through the air
1: you're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster now that's that's just—it's uh, a game changer. Like it just changes the oh. way we think of all movements. And, and for those people listening too, uh, who might not be track coaches, uh, we're going to get to some other things down the line, like yeah, like basketball, swinging. And volleyball, hitting,
0: yeah. baseball. Yeah, all yeah, it. yeah. I mean, think about stealing a base. The, the you you're setting up a big small issue if you're stealing a base. If you, if you ever watch Ricky Henderson steal a base, that, that 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 right foot picks up and drops down. That really was his big step. And then the next step taken was a small step, and then he was off to the races. So, so you have to watch, and, and like I said, a lot of times you see people stepping out even more. Well, you don't have any speed because your legs are already spread apart. That's a big step already. So you can't go any further, and you're trying to. Doesn't work like that. So Ricky was actually put that foot down really fast. That's a he's already big, and then the next step was small. And then boom, he was gone. So, so yeah, baseball, it does basketball, volleyball. It's, it's a rhythm.
1: Yeah. Uh, taking something to, to something universal too, just like a sprint start, just from a crouch position or three point or if you're running a 40 yard dash or yeah. some of the things these these sprinters. We were just talking about a little bit before on the elite, super elite world level. Uh, just maybe chat a little bit about the big little in that sprint start and how that sets up the rhythm.
0: Well, yeah, same thing. You know, a lot of people have been caught up on block clearance. And, 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 and so but they, the, the whole thing about that is you're not moving yet. So you have to generate something. So if you come out with too big of a step out the blocks, air velocity is slow. And that's the whole thing about it. If you want to be fast, you got to go through the air fast. And so if you come out with a too big of a step out the blocks, air velocity is slow. So I, I'm going to put something down so I can create some type of air velocity out the get go, you know, and, and that becomes a thing. So I'm going to, and, and, and people call it zero step, which is funny. You know, people, you know, it depends on how you count. Zero step, one step. I always say one, two, three, but some people say zero step out the blocks. But what's funny is actually that first step really shouldn't go that far because I'm trying, I'm try, it's a small step. I'm trying to go. The next step is going to be big because now I have. I can get through the air. Now I have this pattern set up, and, I'm, and, and like I said, I'm going through the air fast. So it's not, I'm not trying to create this frequency of being on the ground, ground, ground. I'm trying to create this air velocity. If I go through the air fast, it's a wrap.
1: Yeah, and I'm yep. sure you would see that in pretty much any linear speed um, team sport where the athletes weren't thinking about it. Well, who are advanced level and fast? You know, they probably right, just right, do that right, naturally.
0: Right. Somebody sent me a video the other day of, uh, of, of Barry Sanders and there was one other guy, uh, Michael Vick. He sent me a video of Michael Vick, and he said he always thought Michael something was wrong with Michael Vick because he like he's running on one leg. No, that was a small, big pattern. You know, it was it was a it was a small big pattern, but it, but it, but it, 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 it always looked it. I just never could figure it out. Then he goes, ah, it was a small big pattern. That's what it was.
1: Uh, what would you say to people? I, I think this is fairly common in track and field, and I want to obviously keep this revolving on all sports and generalized, but I think this is a universal principle. But like in track and field, people would say okay, if you do that, it's going to hurt you later in the race or whatever. Um, and I think Usain Bolt uh, maybe has, you know, Usain Bolt obviously shows a lot of these characteristics too. So right. what's your what's your thoughts on people who, you know, that and then conserving energy and later in the race and all these things uh, and how it manifests itself as you get up into speed and running?
0: The whole thing about any race, you know, is, is that a lot of components are going on, a lot of things are going on. But the biggest thing is to realize that, if I can maintain this rhythm throughout the race, I'm gonna be much better off. And so, one of the things, like, you know, when I post a video of of, of Tyson Gay and, and Usain Bolt, when when Bolt goes nine five eight, Tyson Gay goes I think nine seven one. Fast. I mean, both in that race. Tyson Gay wins that race. But but what are they both doing? They both are trying to start running as soon as possible out the blocks. They don't have a drive phase. They're trying to start. So you got these two guys, the two fastest guys in the race, are trying to start running as soon as possible. Now, to me, why did Tyson Gay lose that race? His timing was off because he started running before both, but the timing was killing him. By the time he got the timing down, race is over. But, but you look at these things of, 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 first of all, let me establish some type of rhythm, and, and, and that's going to be the part of it. But the other part, too, is asymmetry throughout the race. At top end, one knee's gonna come a little bit higher than the other one. You know, why? Because one is coming higher so it can pound the ground still. And one wants to be, so I got to pound, no pound, pound, no pound. So asymmetry is throughout the whole race, but it's the same rhythm. Big, small, big, small, big, small. You know, even like when we talk about high to low. And high to low is the concept that says, hey, whenever the, wherever the heel of your foot, the heel of your foot gets to its highest point on the backside, it must start a downward trajectory towards the ground. Period. If you want to be fast. And the literature tells you what? The literature tells you to attack the ground. See what I'm saying? So, so, so sometimes when you say things, people don't know what's being said. And it's like the literature says to attack the ground. And the faster, the more velocity that this foot carries to the ground, the greater impact is going to be. Which, once again, what are they saying? Elite sprinters have great impact. So now, but what are people being taught? They're being taught that the heel gets to a high point. If they don't recognize. They just say the foot. So the heel's at a high point. And and then what they try to do, they drag it around to another point. that's not, that's not towards the ground. If you watch what Usain Bolt did, heel to the ground, heel to the ground, heel to the ground. That's the whole, and at top end, what is he still doing? Heel's at the high point. It may be at his butt, but it's going from his butt Mm -hmm. straight to the ground. So, so if you have this, this five feet of acceleration towards the ground versus a foot, because you brought your foot to another point and then tried, that's the difference between attacking the ground and running fast and not running fast.
1: Oh, yeah. I I think too to help people um, kind of understand that as well. And and these are some thoughts kind of I had. Well, first I'll say that there's that slow motion sprint video that like everyone in the world who watches yeah. sprinting is seen with Bolt and then Lemaitre's right next to him. And I think that's like the contrast. Like Bolt's leg is coming at a more straight line down towards the ground to recover his heel. And Lemaitre's like it goes like you told me, it goes up and then forward in front of him first and then it goes down.
0: Right, so so, so, he has, so he has one foot to try and impact the ground versus you saying both have five feet to impact the ground. Big difference, big difference, you know? So yeah, but, but like I said, a lot, what's funny is when I see those videos, and, and, and so people get into this technique thing. To me, it's not a technique. To me, it's like, why is this guy losing? And why is this guy winning? Because that's what it comes down to, winning and losing. So, they're, and they're still all fast. That's why you gotta stay away from technique stuff in that sense of bad technique, good technique. They're still fast people. So same thing. We look at the current stuff in track, like I said, the current stuff in track and field. Why is Baker beating Coleman? Why is is is, is Reese beating Sue? Because at the end of the race, at the top end portion of the race, they're getting their feet down faster than those guys are. Plain and simple. How they doing it? That's another. That's another topic. But but plain and simple, they're getting their feet down faster than they are. That's it.
1: Oh yeah. And not to rabbit trail too much from the asymmetry topic we're on and then getting into other sports as well. But I think this is a really fascinating point. And you had posted something about this. It's like 800 meter runners. Those guys aren't getting their knees up in front of them. It's a lot of backside, I guess you would call it mechanics yeah, yeah. and then impact. Do you want to talk about that a little bit in running? Cause I think it's more universal maybe than we think on some level, uh, like how those guys are way behind themselves a little bit with their feet in the race.
0: Well, like I said, the, the biggest thing here is, is we have to stop saying bad technique, imperfect technique, incorrect technique. If a guy's running, he's running. If a guy's sprinting, he's sprinting. So what is the person that's winning the race doing differently than the person uh, that's losing the race? And, and, and so it comes down to some basic things just as simple as that. Who is attacking the ground better? So so as, as a distance runner, I'm still going to have this high point and my foot still going to come to the ground, you know, still coming to the ground. And I think even Usain Bolt might have borrowed something from distance runners about you know high to low, you know, because at top and he he really looks like a distance runner. So so that becomes a thing. But but the most important part of this is this here, and it, it would be another topic. But then that's when we get into shin angles and something I learned from 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 Jonas about uh, uh, knee blocking, and how I interpreted knee blocking. You know, we talked about it. I interpreted, it, and so as a as a sprinter i want my shin angles to match When my shin angles match that's when i'm going to do something and why do i want to match at this certain time because it's going to add to the speed i go through the air at so now as a distance runner i want to do it at a different time you know why because it's going to add to the speed that that i'm going through the air at but i'm not trying to do it like a sprint i'm trying to do it like a distance runner so as a distance runner i don't want my shins to line up when i need block in a sense as a as a sprinter I want them to line up me blocking them Go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a, so uh,
0: so that becomes a thing, but yeah, it's all, it's the same stuff. Like I said, that's why, that's why even when with the, with, you know, we talk about the rewire clinic that's coming up is it, it, it's about running being the base of every movement that's going on, whether you're hitting, whether you're throwing, it has some running components to it. And so how do we take those and transfer them over that? That's what rewire clinic is about.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Just going to, you know, postural restoration type seminars and and various things I've been through. The gate is the foundation of so many things and and you can take that and then extrapolate it into pretty much everything. I want to, for those people who are non-track, who are uh, listening and tuning in, I was going to ask you too, and you've, you show videos of like tennis and baseball hitting. uh, Can we talk a little bit about asymmetry that you'll see in like a baseball swing or a golf swing or, or, or tennis and maybe some examples there.
0: Well, even even with with that, there what's what's funny is as you you know why why is it that you know some guys can get back left or right, you know some some can some can't most can't why because of the jobs you can't switch the jobs you know what I'm saying same thing with, with why you may have a backhand or, or 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 forehand and then the other way you can't do it because because of, of the jobs are different and each side knows his job but it doesn't know the other person's job. And so all of a sudden, at the last minute, you try to say, hey, do the job of the other side. And that's where things go wrong at. But that's the biggest thing. Like with asymmetry, we see it a lot in in the fact that or take a football player, you know, just take a football player and you align it. You move well to the right, but not to the left. That's asymmetry. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just asymmetry thing. If you can go both ways really well, that's really good. But for the most part, because of asymmetry, because I have a leg that likes to do this, maybe it push maybe a decelerate. And that's, that's, that's the biggest thing that we get in asymmetry is acceleration, deceleration. That's the biggest thing with the legs, acceleration, deceleration. And so what happens is I, you know, if I'm jumping, if I'm jumping, one leg will allow me to continue to accelerate downward. And then the other leg is going to stop that in reverse direction, accelerate me upward. That's all that happens is, is that you don't have to practice deceleration It's built into the movement already based on asymmetrical principles. No matter what movement it is you know uh i remember I, I, when i played tennis i was taught to throw the ball pull the racket back and then smash the ball yeah funny i got good at that but when i really see the best tennis players they squat down first mm-hmm. toss the ball and then go get it huh <laughs> but 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 once again you have to understand how to accelerate in both directions with as an asymmetrical principle in order to do that me nobody's told me that they just told me to toss the ball and go at it huh okay and i made it work but i could have made it work better if i understood like hey man squat down and as you squat release the ball up and then go get it huh and and what's one hand doing as you you know so you get into those type of thing with asymmetry in 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 volleyball why is why you have an outside hitter and one person is, is a middle it's asymmetrical principles based on what leg likes to Jump. One leg doesn't like to jump or accelerate and decelerate. Things like that. You know which side is going to flap for you. Which side isn't going to flap for you? Uh, one arm baseball. One arm wants to extend. One arm wants to hold in tight. But it, once again, you have a paired team working together to make these things happen.
1: Yeah. So speak of the jumping because this is something that uh, you were showing a little bit, like the the band and the let's just say like you're a left right plant or left right left plant jumper off two legs. So I push off okay. my left long. Then I go right left into the takeoff, which I think a lot of people uh, listen to this podcast really pretty familiar with. Um, and what I've learned from you, at least what I what I take it to be, is that that two leg jump when done really well is almost has a lot of similarities to that one leg jump, like the the job of the, the that left leg pushing and planting and the job of the right leg. Could you break that down a little bit on how each of the jobs of those legs as you go well, through yeah. the
0: move? I mean, most of the time. The reason I think it's a one-legged jump, even though it's off two legs, or only way I say you jump off two legs, if, you actually, if you're static, if you're standing from a standstill, if you're moving, because what's going to happen is, in the rhythm of it, you're going to take a small step, big step. Now, the recovery leg is going to take a small step. By the time that one touches down, you already hit it up. So, so it's a rhythm of small, big, small. And so if you go small, big, so that becomes a rhythm. Small step, big step, small step. And then, then the next thing is going to be a big step, which is what you see a lot of those guys, especially those guys that are launching, and jumping far uh uh or you can go big steps small step big step but those three steps those three steps is, is is just that it's the rhythm being continued on and so a lot of people struggle because they don't have that rhythm. that big step the next the next step that that back leg the recovery leg coming forward is another step and, and so like the one the video you posted what i'm struggling with right now in my jumps is why i can i i I'm, I'm, I, I can't really jump far from the basket. Why? Because if you see when I take my small step, big step, my small step is right next to my jump leg. If I can get it in front just a little bit, it'll change my whole jumping, but I'm struggling with that. And, and so, but I, I know what to do. I just can't get that thing there fast enough to get in front of me and still. So a lot of it is just that it's still a rhythm. It's still, you know, small, big, small and everything like that and it still gotta have the arms tied to it with the flap and everything. You'll see a lot of people too, when you talk about asymmetry again, you'll see the left arm flap. You know, and, and that's less what you say a lot. Wood arm likes the flaps gonna dictate a lot of your jump rhythm. And so like I, I post something about the one guy playing basketball and it was a nice he did a nice thing where he's driven the ball with his left hand, but he needs to flap with his left hand. Pushes the ball to the right hand, flaps with the left, next thing you know the guy's off the ground. But but it, it was just an amazing setup. Like that was pretty nice. Now has he trained to do that? Probably not. But he knows what I need to flap with the left arm, so I'm gonna push the ball back to the right arm. When I push it, I'm gonna flap all in the same motion. It, it was an amazing thing. So we see these things all the time as far as the rhythm of jumping, the asymmetry that's involved in running and jumping, throwing, uh, and everything like that. Even even think about this here. What's the back leg doing, and uh, when you're hitting? And we've been watching videos on hitting. Mm-hmm. Like I so said, I'm no hitting instructor. I'm just a movement person. And, and and when I watch those videos, I've been seeing like the back leg's not even on the ground when they hit the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, the back leg's not on the ground. It's, most times it's being drug forward. But but in that hitting, what's that? You've you you, you seen a step pattern. You've seen a step pattern. Big, small, small, big. The, the thing is, what I noticed is, and, and this is the difference between, you know, even pitching and hitting. The timing of You have the glute that's going to externally rotate the leg, and then you have the quad that's going to extend the knee. When the knee extends, the bat's hitting the ball. It's an amazing, it's it's an amazing thing. Same thing happened with pitchers. Knee, when 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 the knee extends, the arm's coming forward. Now, take javelin. It's the opposite. Javelin throwing, the javelin is the opposite sequence, where the glute will, the quad will extend first, and then the then the glute rotates, which is why you know once again. You know, we think that we should take every picture and make them throw a javelin far. We can't because the sequence is different. That's the, that's the only thing. The sequence changes.
1: You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, the the timing of that stuff is really interesting. I, I had a couple of thoughts. The first was, yeah, well, like what you were saying with baseball, the timing being so different than. I know in like my time in the track and field world, talking with throwers and throws coaches, there's like, you know, the, the kick, the cone drill or like everything's they're taught off that, that if you're a right arm thrower or you're throwing with your right Correct. arm, it's like a push with your right leg. But then I watch the baseball player. And like you said, that right foot is off the ground. So clearly it's not pushing for very long. And that left leg in front is doing a job that is very substantial in right. getting that bat around. It's not, it's, and then how you mentioned the pitcher too. I was thinking about, I did a podcast with Don Chu where he was talking about single leg bounding, helping the pitcher's velocity and that pitcher is probably getting more out of their back leg. That back leg has a different job in timing than in pushing for right-handed throw, obviously than right. the, the, the batter. And so, yeah, just thinking about that timing, I think it really can change the way we prescribe and think of um, special exercises for these guys or the way that right. we would teach right,
0: them. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, even exercise you did. You know, what do we, what do, what do you say? Hey, man, you gotta get that timing back into it. You know, the with the with the med ball. I mean, great, great. That was a, that was an outstanding exercise, outstanding drill. Cause you see the, the, the you see the big, you see the small. You know, and but the but but your arms can't help you. Yeah. So if you switch that up so that the arms can help you, that that'd be like boom drill. But <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it it's, it's, it's what we leave out of the most one of the most important thing about being a good athlete is timing. The exceptional athletes have exceptional oh, training.
1: Yeah, yeah I yeah, actually I'm gonna put that in the show notes. That med ball drill I did because when I was doing it, I was like, "This is cool." I feel like I know what Darren's gonna say is so like, and "Now the the med ball is screwing up my like, you know, my my left leg coming forward." To, and it, you're totally right. Like because my arms were static in the middle of that med ball drill. Which if you're listening at home, I'm gonna post this on Just Fly Sports on the show notes. But basically, the fact that I'm not taking that med ball outside of my body to help that left leg come forward faster is going to throw it off. So it's like, I think that drill still has benefits.
0: Oh, it, great benefits. No, that's an outstanding yeah. drill.
1: But yeah, but, but it's not going to help your timing. And I was watching, and, and I just released an article on this that will be posted before this podcast, but Mac McClung, uh, he's headed to Georgetown. Uh, he's, uh, I posted one of his dunks on Instagram just cause that guy's timing is unreal. Just because, like, I think getting a long last step into those two, the quick one-two, of the takeoff, is one thing. But the timing associated with that is another – that's what allows (laughs) that guy to do that. Because, you know, there's a lot of people who could probably make themselves do that long of a last step if they really tried. But to sync everything up to the point where it's all there when you need to take off, there's not – I don't think there's a whole lot of people that can really do it like that guy does. And that's what's so impressive to me about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, like I said, timing and – you know, one of the things I learned is that I already know what I want to do. If I can figure out the timing of a movement, then I can figure out the why it's being done that way. And, and so that's what we're missing. We're missing that timing element. And so a lot of times we don't understand the why portion of it. We understand what we're supposed to be doing. So, so you get into those things, which is, which is uh, and I know, we, I think we had a question about feet, but that would bring you to like, what are feet doing for you? Uh, uh, because with asymmetry is footwork. And, and and the foot is telling you a whole lot of stuff about a whole lot of things. And and one of the things that feet really tell you is where you are in space and time. How fast are you moving forward? Because of cross-extension reflex. If you remove a base, you gotta replace it with a base. Plain and simple. So so if you're moving so fast forward that you have to enter the ledge and you're not ready to move that base, to replace the base, or remove a leg, to replace the leg, guess what your body's gonna do? It's gonna slow down your forward movement. Cause it knows you're not ready yet and that's that you see that you see that a lot in jumping and in running where the foot is actually grabbing the ground to stop you from moving forward because the other leg's not in place yet
1: yeah that fits with what you're talking about uh deceleration too like yeah. and, and that's just so cool like when you watch these jumps in slow motion like it's like this leg is doing the job of you know deceleration or acceleration so why do we need to it's like people are so obsessed with training people to do a dead stop. Like, like why is that the? I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Like you should be able to do it with some ability, but it's like it happens in movement all the time.
0: Not um, <laughs> that, but but think about this: your fastest movement are when something's in motion already. There's nothing fast from a dead stop. Nothing. So so if 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 you're pushing a car, if you're pushing a car, right, it's easy to turn the steering wheel when the wheels are rolling. Versus try to turn that steering wheel <laughs> when the car isn't rolling. So, so there's nothing from a dead stop is the hardest way to move.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so and so the thing, and that's why I, that's why I tell people, never train somebody to stop. Because I don't have to stop. Yeah. I, I'm always in motion. I'm going to stay in motion. I just need to change direction of the movement. But I don't have to stop to do that. I just need to understand how to manipulate that motion to change the direction.
1: Oh, right on. And I think maybe part of it is just because the simple, very baseline deceleration drills are very easy to, I guess, coach. It's just like, stop and be in this position, you know, like, or, or what the position the coach thinks that that might be. But it's certainly more complex to, and that's why I think we need to watch video more. I, I think that people just don't watch video enough and really look at these things uh, very closely. And even what you with what you're talking about, I'm like, okay, I got a lot more things I need to watch right now. Um but I think that it's just, it's definitely more complex, but it's, but it makes the biggest difference in the world. And the elite athletes are doing this anyways. Uh, I wanted, before we get to the feet, you mentioned that, and I want to finish our, our talk with that, but um, maybe some implications for when athletes are doing plyometrics based off asymmetry. Cause I think that's a big game changer versus just like, okay, you're going to do hurdle hops and everything's the same and. And, and not that that stuff isn't helpful, but uh, right, right,
0: right, right, right.
1: concepts on uh, maybe some, some alters and some tweaks to how we look at our plyometric training based off of this.
0: Right. Well, well, the first thing is this here, you know, uh, you have to change the thought of, of, of plyometric training, you know, because if you, if you ask somebody, you know, plyometric training has got so far off off, off skew is crazy. You know, you, you see people jumping they call it, that's not a plyometric, it's a jump, but it's not a plyometric. And, and so you have to go into, okay, what's a plyometric as, as defined, you know, where you have this, this 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 you know short stretch cycle you know cycling phase going on all that kind of stuff where i'm trying to to lengthen something to shorten something you know i want to lengthen something to shorten something the whole question becomes first is what are you trying to lengthen to shorten and and people just do plyometrics but what are you shortening what are you going to lengthen so you can shorten it for instance and that's why i say eccentric training i don't call it plyometrics i say eccentric training for instance in in running in jumping, there's a big eccentric component to it, like my glutes. As you as you accelerate downward, the glutes are being lengthened. So now I'm gonna shorten it. That's all it is. So so with plyometric training, the first thing people have to think about is, what am I trying to lengthen to shorten? That's that's always gonna be the first question. From there, we can we can start going. Okay, this is what I want to do now. So you get into this double leg or single leg stuff. It's the same thing. I'm trying to maintain movement. I don't want to stop movement. So once I'm into this plyometric movement, how do I maintain movement? That becomes a thing. If you're running, you're not going to stop. So, so from there, whether you know people get into the, the the force absorption, where they're trying to do stiff legs and things like that. They want to absorb force and, and bounce back up. But once again, if we really doing plyometrics, what are we going to lengthen? To shorten and then what do we start talking and this this becomes a funny thing you know and talking to Jonas you know you know he helped me with some of the terminology and stuff but it's one of the craziest thing ever where what's the next topic everybody talking about taking up slack well if you're trying to take up slack you don't do plyometric training because you got slack in the, you know you, you're introducing slack to the system so it's, it's these funny things that we start dealing with but one of the things Jonas taught me told me about athletic posture is that it's the ultimate way to take up slack in the system now, after that point, you know, then I said yes. And, and so, after that point, what do we start talking about? How do I maintain the tension I just took up? That becomes the thing. Athletic posture takes up the slack out of the system. Now, as I move about, whether I'm throwing something, where I'm hitting, whatever, what I'm doing next, it becomes the point of how do I maintain that tension in the system throughout the movement? That's what being a good athlete is.
1: Yeah, that's cool stuff. Actually, if I, I'm trying to wrap my head. A, I know you've talked with me about Slack and this. Just just for clarifying with everyone out there, could you just maybe go into detail a little bit on Slack in the system and plyometrics? Because I think you that was there was a lot in there, and that basically that one sentence that you said that I, right. could you unpack well, that a little you know, bit? Well, what's by funny I is Slack? This
0: here in, in taking up Slack and talking about Fosha and everything like that. What's the, the when you talk about talking about fasha is I, I, if, if I pull on something has to give and take in the system, and that becomes the beauty of it. So with the movement, once you pretense the movement or tense up the body in a sense with athletic posture, I must maintain that. So if something moves, if something takes, I must give for the movement to stay, so the tension can stay the same throughout the system. Uh, 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 but, but when we're doing plyometrics, that's what we're, we're trying to figure out. Okay, I have this tension. How do I maintain the tension throughout the plyometrics? That becomes the whole thing. But I think with with, with Plyometric training, the biggest thing that has to happen is this here. Understand more than anything else what it is you're trying to lengthen. You know, are you trying to lengthen the Achilles? Are you trying to lengthen the glutes? Are you trying to, lengthen, you know, and throughout it, you have different, you know, lengthening and shortening going on. But now think about this here. A shortened muscle is the best muscle to work with. And what we I mean by that is this here. If I'm in blocks, I'm going from blocks. I have some shortened muscles already that I'm trying to work with. I have some lengthening muscles that I'm trying to work with too. So, so one of those things that happen is, you know, who are who's already short and who's already long? You know, if it's, if somebody's short work with the short one to work with the long one. And, and, and for instance, we'll, we'll say once we start running external rotation of the leg, if my feet are already semi pointed out or if their glutes semi engaged already, it's already short. So guess what? If, if my biceps here, I'm going to get the same pop out of it. If I start here, I gotta wait to get here before I get that pop out. So why not start here in the first place? So that's the same thing with glutes. And a lot of people don't like the foot, being externally rotated, rotate, all that kind of stuff, but that's a shortened muscle. So now we're getting back to plyometrics. What do I really wanna do? Do I wanna try and lengthen the muscle to shorten the muscle? Or do I wanna have a short muscle already? That becomes the questions of the day, you know? But, but the biggest thing with plyometric training is what am I trying to lengthen to shorten?
1: Yeah, the the way I kind of look at what you just said a little bit, uh, and I'd like to get some feedback with you if I'm on the right track, is a sense of like just look at like say a linear hurdle hop, which I think does have a lot of benefits, ankle stiffness, like being really stiff at the at at a longer muscle length, but it doesn't like a hurdle hop doesn't necessarily get you in that point like where you're lengthening the glutes like a lot into like a forward horizontal movement, and then pairing that with a vertical, like just it just works on a tense everything up. Go really high, come back down, tense everything up again. uh, Versus, uh, and and I'm trying to put this in. If you were like coming out of blocks or maybe doing a long, low horizontal step into a vertical step, those muscles are at a lot of different strength a lot of different state of length and tension in that long low right. horizontal step to the vertical than just you know vertical 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 it's it's I, I, that's kind of my take on it at least yeah. how you just said
0: so, so now let's take that same hurdle hop let's take that same hurdle hop let's take that same hurdle hop right and, and so now externally rotate your feet just a little bit so 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 who am i lengthening now who am i shortening now well my glutes are already short so i don't want to lengthen them anymore because they're ready to pop for me so who am I going to lengthen now? I'm going to lengthen my Achilles. So they put, see what, see what I'm saying? It just began, you can, we can, we can mix and match these things if we understand how to mix and match them. And that's why I say everybody's right. So, so we take a, a plyometric concept and take it to a, a pre-shortening muscle concept, combine the two together and you get, boom, much more. So, so at that point in time, you say, okay, I'm going to do the hurdle hop. Who am I going to lengthen? Well, let me lengthen the Achilles. On, on the, on, as I go down, I'm going lengthen the Achilles, but I want to keep my, I want to keep my glutes short already. So that way, when I hit the ground, what's going to happen? Man, I'm getting a two for one deal. Glutes pop, Achilles pop, boom! Off the ground, I go.
1: I, I look at that, I and this means a lot to me because I'm an athlete who, when I was playing basketball, which is basically, I would guess, I would say, true plyometrics, because you're always operating through little, big, long, short. You know, you're right. you're. It's all very athletic, and and the timings there, and it's very specific. And I've gotten to points in my life where I wasn't playing as much sport. And I was just doing plyometrics, so just just bounding, just linear bounding, everything the same rhythm, just hurdle hops, everything, vertical projection. And I was a very explosive, dynamic athlete. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with that stuff, but I felt like my my dunking had gotten worse, my high jumping had gotten a little worse. And I always I feel like when when this team sport was there, the project the way that my body projected and timed itself was always maintained. And if I got away from that and just did a plyometric, the timing and that that big little projection and all the muscle lengths associated with it were lost. <laughs> right. And if I got to playing again, if I just played one two games of basketball after the game, I was jumping two three inches higher just because I. Right. It's like everything right. came back to me.
0: Right, right, right. So that so that becomes a thing. Yeah, we have to understand when we practice something, the timing is going to change. And like I said, the biggest thing with plyometrics is who am I going to lift and who am I going to shorten? Who am I going to tense? Who am I not going to tense up? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the cycle's happening so fast, it's, it's crazy. You know, so, so, you know, one of the things that I always talk about is, is how do I do something voluntary to get an involuntary reaction? And a whole lot of, inv- I don't want involuntary reaction. I want a whole lot of, you know, the better I can be and stuff like that. But like I said, the biggest thing with plyometrics is this here. Technically to me, pretty much everything you do should have been a plyometric. You know, if you're running, if you, I mean, if you're chewing gum, <laughs> right? Because what it was some has, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Something has to happen. I'm going to stretch something and my jaws are going to snap down. You're talking about ultimate plyometric snapping turtle. Right? Jaws, pow! Ultimate plyometric. So so that becomes a thing. Is What am I going to lengthen to shorten? What am I going to tense to, you know, that becomes a thing to me. But as we do these things and in, in, in everything, you have to understand the timing, the sequence, when this is going to happen. And, and, and we have to be careful not to alter the sequence or the timing of the sequence.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And that's something too where, you know, I feel like we could talk for this for hours too. Ultimately, yeah. just even working with you in person has has made that um, a lot easier for me to understand. But yeah. I think through, through the videos too, and hopefully people listening to this will eventually get a chance to work with you. Uh, but I always think, you know, being being taken through it is, is definitely oh, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah
0: you really have cool. to, you know. But like I said, and, and then the thing with this is, is that all of a sudden, you know, does it really matter if you jump over a hurdle or jump onto a bleacher or jump, those things don't start to matter anymore. If, if the goal is the goal, then th- does it make a difference if I hop over a hurdle or hop onto a bleacher or hop on to, you know, because all that still should be the same. That's the part that I get confused about. It is like, um, um, you know, when you see somebody, you know, hop, hop onto a hurdle and then they, then they say there's something different with the one that you're going to do when they hop onto the, to the bleacher stand or to the box or something like that, you know, um to me it's 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 you know like i tell in my health class that we've made up a lot of stuff that the brain doesn't understand you know so that we're trying to understand it but technically the brain doesn't it just knows you want to get on top of the box it just knows you want to get over the hurdle and this is what it's going to do to get you over the hurdle on top of the box call it what you want to call it a jump call it what you want to call it all the brain knows is you need to get up and over something okay this is how we're going to do it then you're listening
1: to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, right on. And, and that was something I posted in the last article, too, is like, for a lot of athletes, the brain sees what they, you want to do, and it puts the joints in the right place at the right time with awesome timing, and we can just learn so much from watching those athletes who who do that really well. I, I want to, I, probably the last few minutes here, I did want to touch on the foot uh, before we run out of time, so... Uh, a couple of uh, questions I really wanted to get to. Well, the main one is in training the foot. What are some mistakes people make? I know we've had a little interchange <laughs> here. What are well, some big, big mistakes, mistakes people are making?
0: The, the biggest thing I, the biggest mistake I think is 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 in stritting the foot. Not saying anything or strengthening the toes. You know, I, I mean, think about this here. You've been walking on this thing. I mean, I'm 52. <laughs> I've been walking on my feet for 52 years now, or thereabouts. You know, take off a year for that first year I didn't walk on them. Give me 50 years of walking on my – I've been walking – when did they get weak? When did they get weak in this process? So those are the kind of things that, that I always find funny is people say I want to strengthen them, you know. But the whole thing about it is, is that you have to understand what are your feet doing for you? What, what is the function of the feet? And so, yeah, if if I'm moving forward, my feet have to tell me how fast I'm moving forward. They, they have to know that information because if not, you're going to trip and fall. What's the other person of the foot? The foot will stiffen up. Because it's it's fluid in there. When they hit the ground, they're going to stiffen up. When they stiffen up, the rest of the system will stiffen up too. Now, the other part about this is this here. Pronation is so misunderstood. It's so misunderstood. So one of the things that that happens is as you move, once again, I want constant movement. That big toe is not meant to be pushed off of. You can stand on it all day long. But to push off of it is a really poor level to push off of. But guess what? You can roll over it all day. So, so if, you're, if you're actually what we call active pronation, if, if you're actually pronating, then guess what? The other side can stay in action longer because I'm not at the edge yet. If you go to heel, toe, or if you, if you go, what do we call it, to a neutral, your foot's going to put the brakes on for you because you're at the edge. So the biggest thing with the foot and athletic movement is understand how to stay away from the edge. That's the biggest thing. The foot is not weak. It's the fact that you're at the edge. And now you're reinforcing being at when you start strengthening your toes and all that. You're going to reinforce being at the edge and gripping the ground and holding. And remember, claws are meant for gripping. And the stronger they are, the more I can grip the ground. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that because it has this time and place. You know, there is a time and place where I want to grip the ground and hold strong. But if I'm trying to run, that's not the time. I'm not trying to grip ground. I'm not trying to grab ground. I'm trying to roll right over and keep on going. So that becomes the thing. You know, same thing. If, if you want to do a jump step, that might be a good time to grip the ground. So I want to stop right away. then I'm going to release the ground so I can jump again. So there is a time and place for all those things. But there is no one thing for everything, and that's where we get in trouble with, with, strengthening, with, with solely focusing on strengthening the toes. Strengthen them all you want to. But, there, but, but it's not the end-all, be-all and, and everything like that. Now, the, the, the whole thing with, with feet, more than anything else, understand that big toe and six axis – what I mean by that is the big toe, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, the, it has six axes on it. And so as you're moving, it's going to go through all six of those things. And most people don't get that part, you know, which is why I can raise the pinky toe and keep the big toe on the ground because that's why it, it, I'm rolling this way, which is why I can lift the pinky toe and flex forward. I'm really working those six axes. But guess what? If I claw the ground, all that goes away. If I try to push off the ground with the big toe, all that goes away so I lose a lot of movability just because I don't understand that six axis at the big toe it's a it's very unique very cool thing we just misunderstood it
1: yeah that that six axis and it's just uh just for like people out there who uh, you know it, it, I try to picture this in their mind's eye oh, uh, it's, oh, it's oh, for oh, the frontal plane basically down, left to right yeah. and
0: twist you know uh, counterclockwise and, and clockwise those are the six axes
1: yeah, so it's it's not and yeah, like you say, I mean, we talk about big toe a lot, but in practice, like it, it, the impact of sprinting is so great and the acceleration and all that stuff. To think like I could really, li- literally hold all my body weight with a flexed big toe and push off of it, like w- with nothing else touching the ground. Like, I mean, to it's... me, the 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 dampening systems of the body as we move through supination, pronation, supination is just unbelievable. And then the rear foot, uh, yeah. I think we like to just like really polarize things into you push off the big toe. But yeah, like you said, it doesn't really work entirely that way. And, and when you talked about over gripping and clawing, that was mind blowing for me because you know, I'm just coming fresh off of, you know, Chang-Zhi and the arch, which is awesome stuff. I don't get me oh, wrong. Great,
0: great stuff, great stuff, great stuff. Even I learned some stuff from that. Great stuff.
1: Oh yeah, but like, but then all of a sudden you listen, and all of a sudden everything's claw toes, and I'm like, wait, I have some like swimmer breaststrokers who can't jump for shit, <laughs> but are pretty <laughs> fast at sprinting. Like, I'm like, okay, well, how does this, you know, like how does this work? How does how does that go? And so yeah, it's just it really is cool to see those worlds all collide.
0: Yeah, so I, I mean, because the biggest thing is, is even like inside edge, we have to be able to, to, to shift our mind, you know? And so inside edge, and, and like I said, the triangle and all that kind of stuff. Well, I just shift the triangle over inside edge. I'm running a straight line from the big toe to the heel, and then I'm running a line to the, to, the, to the apex of, of the, the ball of the foot back to the big toe. That's my triangle. So I still got this strong base to stand on. So a lot of times, what you see in a running video, this is a funny thing. What you see in a running video is this here. You see the outside of the heel off the ground, but who's on the ground? The inside part of the heel. Mm-hmm. So you, so people, it, it's. but, but if, I, if I start running, where am I at? I'm on this front part. Of, uh, that's why I can run on the inside edge because I'm still on this triangle base. But I'm not trying to push off of it. I'm just trying to stand on it so that everybody else can work off of it. it and that becomes the thing. But once I get going, I need more time. So in order to get more time, the bike starts to adjust rearward on the foot as where it's going to strike the ground at. So, and that's what's funny. Even though you may see a heel off the ground, guess what? The inside of the heel is probably on the ground as your body moves forward. And the and thing about it, why is Pinky Toe up? Because it protects the integrity of the arch of the foot. You don't have to wait to get to the big toe to flex to get to the windless mechanism. Pinky toe gets that going already. So it's it's just the foot is the foot is crazy, a lot of cool stuff going on, but like I said, Strengthening the foot, when did they get weak? That's the first question. Mm-hmm. And, and then how do you judge a weak foot? You know, a lot of these things, even like with core. When I ask people, you got a weak core. What test did you run to figure out you had a weak core? Just tell me what test did you, what assessment did you do? Because you've been standing up. So if you can stand up, roll out of bed and all those kind of things, your core is okay. Whatever we call the core, whatever we call it. What, you know. And it, but, but, but we get into these things of, I know if I have a weak bicep. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if. if if I cannot curl my arm up, that's a weak bicep. And I and I got tests for that. And I can tell when it gets stronger. I go from curling, you know, twenty-five pounds to curling hundred pounds. It got stronger. How do we do it up to foot?
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think, yeah, the fact that even like my daughter's like almost two now, and sometimes she'll like kick me or stand out, you know, stand up on my lap and jump up and down, and I'm like blown away by just the impact of the balls of her feet, like how much impact. A two-year-old yeah. can put through that, and I'm like, you know, I I don't, th- yeah, I, I I do agree. I think we very quickly go to this is weak. How can I make it stronger? Versus looking in, in a more holistic point of view, and how does force actually go through and go out of the foot, and and are we we moving in that manner? So I think that's right, good yeah,
0: right, right. Well, I mean, think about this here, and this is why, and I can understand why people may want to strengthen the foot if you're slapping the ground with your foot and your knee is breaking over the top, yes, it's taking tremendous forces. But if you roll in diagonal across the foot, it doesn't take those, so it just depends on how you're using your foot. So once, and that's why I sometimes like to clarify stuff. People, if you are running flat-footed or heel to toe or of your foot, then yes, go ahead and strengthen your feet. You're going to need it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> if
0: <laughs> you are pronating and continue to pronate until toe off, you don't need to strengthen your feet.
1: Oh yeah, that's, that's right. On. And that's one of the things that, I've learned from you that's just gold, man. Like in terms of yeah, if you're gonna move if you're gonna sprint in the sagittal plane, you better get strong in the sagittal plane. You know, if you're gonna be able to invoke rotation and and the frontal transverse planes like you're supposed to. Yeah, it's a it's a game changer. So oh well yeah, I love it. I'd love to talk for more on on the foot. I feel like we could have a whole episode on it.
0: But but but, you know what what the whole the whole thing about it's people need one thing about the foot is the ultimate timing mechanism of movement because it tells you where you are. And when you need to get off the foot, the biggest thing about the foot is what we call at some point in time, you have to remove a base and that's the leg and replace it with the other leg. So the foot's going to tell you exactly when that needs to happen. The ultimate time.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's, that's where it starts. Well, hey, that's why uh, the rewire clinic and the, the brand and the little circuit on the foot. I think it says a lot. So.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It says a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Thanks for your time, Darren. always learn so much talking to you. So appreciate it, man. All right, all right all right thanks for tuning in appreciate you guys listening and for all of you who really want to dig deeper into the workings of the human body Uh, which I imagine is most everyone listening to this podcast. Uh, I can't imagine that you didn't get just so many nuggets out of that episode that'll allow you to look at athletic movement differently and to engage your athletes' movement in a new way and coach them to some personal bests. So anyways, we'll see you guys next week with another great show. Uh, Again, check out the Rewire Clinic Series, the Santa Clara Stop, and then Columbus, Ohio, Santa Clara on July 28th and 29th. Hope to see you there. Check it out on the Just Fly Sports main page. Also, don't forget to visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology, free lap timing system, gym wear, force plates, contact grids. They have an amazing array of technology and an amazing blog to help you out as coaches. So check check them out. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.